Welcome to Startup Nation Voices, a podcast of Startup Nation Mentorship and the World Jewish Congress. Startup Nation Mentorship pairs extraordinary college student leaders with top Israeli industry and government mentors. We currently operate on 20 campuses in six continents and enable students to develop meaningful, lasting relationships with Israelis who are in the center of the dynamic global economy and hub of innovation. In Voices, we bring on top Israeli and international leaders to share a deeper look into their industry and personal background, exploring the importance of mentorship and partnership with Israel. I'm Samantha Chassid, a student at Cornell University and the U.S. Director for Startup Nation Mentorship. And I'm Levy. I'm a senior at Cornell University and the Chief External Officer of Startup Nation Mentorship. And it's such a pleasure and privilege to welcome Mickey Raviv on Startup Nation Voices. Um, Mickey is the president of CAF Israel, a leading railway company that supplies comprehensive transit solutions positioned at the forefront of technology. Um, Prior to holding this position at CAF, he was the deputy CEO of Bombardier Israel. Um, Before joining Bombardier, he served for many years as Israeli diplomat in countries in the Middle East and thus established an extensive career in military and foreign ministry before igniting his business career. Um, He attended Hebrew University and Tel Aviv University for a master's in political science. Great. And Mickey, again, thank you so much for joining us today. Definitely super excited to have you here. Um, My pleasure. Great. So I guess jump right in. Um, First, obviously, we would love to hear your perspective on your career path. Um, We'd be curious specifically to hear how you found yourself engaged in diplomatic kind of roles, um, foreign relations in the Middle East, and eventually how that led to the switch to pursuing a career um, in business development, specifically within infrastructure. I think that these are all things that are not so straightforward to think about how to begin your career within, um, and kind of would love any and all insight on these two things. Well, it is uh, definitely the story of my life. I'm uh, 48 years old, married, father of two, and um, I feel rich with the path or with the the way I've done so far. Uh, Maybe not rich financially, but definitely rich in terms of uh, adventures and and the story. Um, As a child, I was very aware to geopolitical uh, developments and the situations. And you know that uh, during the 70s and the 80s, we shared uh, a conflict, if you can say share a conflict. We had a conflict with our neighbors. And um, you always ask questions like, what is actually the the source of this conflict with uh, Egypt, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, and uh, more remote countries? And how can we fix it? Um, as a teenager in Israel, you don't have many um, alternatives. You must join the army. It's a compulsory service. So I joined the army and uh, my my parents taught me that I must excel in whatever I do. So suddenly I found myself as a commander of a tank, not only as a, as a crew member of a tank. And right afterwards, I became an officer. And then 
you develop uh, uh, your uh, understanding or strategic understanding of what's really happening in our region. Uh, right after the military service, uh, which was five years uh, long, I was a captain in the army. Um, I decided to, to study things that will actually enable me building bridges between us and our neighbors. So indeed, I studied economics and political science and quite fast, I must admit, I found myself uh, in the foreign service and, uh, and one day I just landed in, uh, in the Arab Gulf uh, in a place where um, diplomatic relations with Israel are not that public and not that open. Uh, things were conducted mostly um, uh, in a clandestine or in a um, uh, under the table, the way they say it in Arabic. Um, and I took this mission seriously to really build bridges. So I spent several years in the in the Gulf and in some other uh, countries in the region, and uh, feel really lucky for being there, uh, understanding their culture and their narrative of uh, of the conflict and, uh, and the relations between us and them. And um, after I felt that uh, I've done a good service uh, for Israel in uh, in the Arab Gulf and in Germany, I decided to move on to the uh, private sector and actually to maintain the same uh, attitude and to build bridges. And now the bridges are not only diplomatic bridges, but real bridges. I'm talking about the rail connection between uh, uh, the Gulf and hopefully very soon to Israel. So first, uh, we've done rail connections between uh, the Gulf countries, and now uh, hopefully we'll be able to connect this network to Jordan and then to Israel. The entire network is already set and ready, and we just uh, need to uh, finalize uh, the relations with uh, Saudi Arabia with a very, very generous uh, assistance of the American administration, which we are very thankful for. Um, and you see how dreams or how uh, childhood's dreams suddenly come true. Um, so my advice to you is always set a target, set milestones to reach uh, this target or to, to meet this target, and make sure that you're following this path and that uh, at the end of the day, uh, the, the road um, uh, brings you to, to the right milestones and helps you to really finalize or to achieve the, the target, the final goal that you wanted to achieve. Absolutely. Um, definitely great advice and almost kind of a beautiful transition. <laughs> Building bridges actually became real for you and um, what you do with your career. Um, and also definitely great insight into what's going on now and how this is all actualizing itself um, with the recent positive developments that have come in the last several months. Yeah, for sure. So just to follow up on that, because it does segue into it perfectly, but how do you think that your experience in foreign relations in the Middle East has benefited you in your career as an entrepreneur? And I know you brushed upon it um, briefly, but how would you advise students who are interested in both the public and private sector who are unsure um, of how to marry the two? Well, in diplomacy, of course, you serve your country. And when you're in a private sector, you serve the, your, uh, your company or you promote the, your company, at the end of the day, uh, it begins and ends uh, with your ability to build personal bridges between people. 
because uh, countries uh, are headed by uh, by uh, leaders, by prime ministers, presidents, emirs, and so on. And your ability to conduct relations with uh, with these people, and on the other hand, uh, previously to conduct uh, or later, sorry, to conduct uh, relations with people who had uh, uh, the companies you're dealing with, it, it's fantastic. It's almost the same. Uh, I I always tell my friends that I feel that I actually did not change uh, my job. Uh, I was a diplomat, and I will always be a very good diplomat for Israel. But at the same time, now I'm a diplomat representing my company. My company is a, is a Spanish company called CAF. Uh, CAF has a, a rich activity from Australia in the in the east uh, till America in the west. And uh, you need to conduct the right dialogue with all these um, various markets. I cannot tell that the... Australian market similar to the Indian one or to the market in Saudi Arabia and definitely it's not similar to the market in Israel or the United States. So my skills uh, which helped me as a diplomat really helps me to uh, to conduct the current uh, uh, works I'm doing for CAF. And uh, I always find the similarities. I can tell you that while I was in Bombardier, I was helping uh, Bombardier to establish uh, their local presence in the Arab Gulf. So I found myself actually maintaining the very same relations with the very same people in the Arab Gulf, but this time not representing uh, Israel, but representing uh, Bombardier. And at the end of the day, your reliability, your uh, sense of humor, your ability to build bridges, uh, personal bridges between people. This is the key for success, no matter where you are, if you're in the public service or in the private service. Thank you so much. It's so interesting how you really carried your skills and roles in foreign relations and kind of um, applied it in different ways into your business career. So thank you for that. And also kind of diving into some things that you mentioned could you elaborate more on your career transition from Barbardier to CAF and perhaps how your role now is different? Um, your role now at CAF is different from your previous role at Barbardier. Well, it's, um, it's a very interesting uh, transition because uh, quite parallel to this uh, decision to leave Bombardier and to move to CAF, uh, things happened to Bombardier. Uh, Bombardier was just recently sold to, to Alstom, which is the French uh, rail manufacturer. Uh, I decided to leave Bombardier just because um, after 11 years in the company, uh, I really felt that uh, the company changed its DNA. Uh, I must admit that there was also an Israeli uh, part to this uh, story. Uh, Bombardier was uh, chasing an opportunity in Jerusalem. I was heading this uh, opportunity and uh, unfortunately the company took a decision to leave uh, uh, the project uh, uh, in uh, Jerusalem because of various reasons. I assume the political one is one of them. And after serving five years in the Israeli army and then uh, 11 years in our foreign service abroad, I just couldn't feel uh, complete uh, serving or working in a brand that doesn't really respect my uh, uh, nationality, my personality. And uh, therefore, when the decision was taken to... Uh, to leave the, the, the opportunity or to uh, not to chase the opportunity in Jerusalem anymore, 
I just decided to leave the company. And my recommendation to you is be faithful to your values. Because in Bombardier, I was a deputy CEO of Bombardier in Israel. I took this decision because of this political uh, reasons I just uh, uh, elaborated. And uh, a few months later, I was offered by CAF to join the company and to, to become CAF's president in Israel. So, of course, there was a personal upgrade uh, in my career. I moved from being a deputy a CEO to a CEO and president of a new company being established in Israel. And this is my role to establish it in Israel. But at the same time, it is the very same company who won the project in Jerusalem. So for me, it's also something a bit Jewish, you know, to, to really believe in faith and to trust uh, your destiny and to understand that you are part of this chain of generations from uh, our uh, ancestors' uh, era thousands of years ago, because we are still here. And no matter what happened in our history, we're still here and we're building Jerusalem. And I feel so lucky uh, for being a part of, of, of this list of build, the builders of Jerusalem. I really feel blessed. Yeah. Thank you for touching on that. And obviously the Jerusalem Light Rail is a very impressive project and also kind of leads us to our next question of like the mix in general between infrastructure and politics and kind of how those two things are often hand in hand walking together. Yeah, so kind of just um, regarding like, the future of Israeli infrastructure. So how would you view the future of Israeli infrastructure, perhaps touching on the relationship between Israel, United States and China when it comes to the development of future projects? Well, I will start with your uh, question, uh, uh, Levy, which was the first one. Uh, and I will tell you that um, infrastructure's clients are mostly governments. Um, naturally, you can find uh, uh, private rail operators. You can see them in the United States, uh, in the UK, but normally around the world. Um, heavy infrastructure projects are owned by the state. Uh, and therefore, uh, my uh, immediate counterpart is actually the state. And here again, uh, I find my, uh, my previous uh, positions really helpful here because I know how to conduct uh, um, a dialogue with the state. Yeah, I was part of it, uh, so it makes things easier. Um, it is fascinating because it enables you to be aware of the country's uh, strategic uh, plan, uh, the state's budget, uh, the state's ability to pay, um, uh, to really follow the macroeconomic uh, performances of each uh, market and to, to understand how you could, on one hand, uh, be, be part of it, uh, but on the other hand, how could you uh, promote it? Because infrastructure is a costly uh, project, but at the same time, it generates works, it generates jobs, it generates growth. And this link uh, is fantastic. This ecosystem, you really feel uh, an influencer, but at the same time, you're being influenced. And um, as much as you can understand your role in this matrix, um, you will be a successful uh, infrastructure businessman. Here, we're still building our nation. Uh, America exists for uh, more than uh, 200 years. Don't forget, Israel is, uh, is a young country. We're just uh, 72 years old. 
we have a lot to build, we have a lot to develop. People still come here from various places, from uh, the first world, from the third world, and we need to have all of these people enjoying the same services. So uh, I really feel blessed uh, uh, to be part of, uh, of a company or a, or a sector that really builds the, the country. Now to your question, Samantha, it is a fascinating uh, question because it is definitely a political one. I just elaborated a bit about uh, what happened with Bombardier, but I can tell you that uh, we have here in Israel um, a situation in which the European companies, European or uh, American companies uh, are uh, chasing projects and competing against the uh, Chinese companies. And um, here we have a dilemma because at the end of the day, most of the Chinese companies are owned by the Chinese government. And the question is, are there really Chinese companies? I mean, if all these companies are being controlled by the Chinese government, it's a good question whether it is a fair competition. This is my first argument. The second is, at the end of the day, uh, at the end of the day, it's not only price. Uh, naturally, the the Chinese uh, uh, suppliers uh, can offer uh, the market uh, the cheapest price, but at the end of the day, we're talking about values uh, and what are the values that we that we should promote here. Is it only uh, chase the cheapest uh, opportunity or? Chase the opportunity, which helps you uh, to achieve your goal as a as a infrastructure developer, but at the same time maintain your values and maintain your beliefs. And that's why um, um, I think it is very important to to monitor the situation and to uh, tell the Chinese partners that they are welcome to to chase projects or to compete here, providing that they are respecting. The, the rules of the WTO, the World Trade Organizations, the, the rule of the rules of uh, of the free uh, uh, world, in terms of value, in terms of uh, human rights, in terms of um, uh, salaries to to employees, and so on. Therefore, uh, just to summarize it, uh, it is up to the Israeli government uh, to set uh, the standards and to uh, rate the, the various bidders or the various companies according to these standards, not only according to uh, how cheap the price is. Thank you so much. I know that was a bit of a controversial topic, but you made excellent points, so thank you. And bringing it kind of back to our audience, well, before I say that, you say that the U.S. has been around for a long time and infrastructure in Israel is new, but as a New Yorker who's taking the New York City subway for at least two hours a day, definitely have an appreciation for your infrastructure system. Um, it's definitely uh, running quite efficiently, at least in comparison. Um, but to bring it back to our audience, of course, to our viewers, would love to kind of hear any advice that you may have on for college students who are looking to be entrepreneurs. Um, any major points that you've kind of gleaned from your career um, that you can kind of bring back to us? Well, naturally, it's a it's a personal uh, it's a personal approach or a personal question, and I will share with you uh, my my personal insights. I think that being honest and uh, and fair is uh, is my first uh, value because sometimes people uh, have expectations, and if you're not honest and if you're really trying to to drag uh, the time uh, with answers. Um, you will meet these people later on. And therefore, 
first of all, be honest and frank and uh, always make sure that you're able to fulfill your promises. Um, this is uh, the first uh, message. The first, uh, the second uh, advice I have is set targets. Now, don't be afraid to dream big or to dream, to dream about something uh, which will happen or will materialize maybe 10 years from now. But be sure that even the, the most talented marathon runner did not start running uh, 42 uh, kilometers. Yeah, he started uh, with one kilometer and then five and then 10, 15. And then gradually he met uh, the target of running the complete uh, marathon. And therefore, things come gradually. Set uh, uh, the milestones. Make sure that you have a proper plan to meet uh, these milestones. And then you will reach your target. If during the way you see that maybe the vision you had um, a year ago or two years ago is maybe um, not the right one for you, don't hesitate to stop, to rethink and to re-evaluate the situation with the tools that you acquired since the first screening that, that you've done. Sometimes down the road, as much as you acquire tools, education, knowledge, experience, you understand that the direction was not the most successful one. The target was not the right one for you. So it is okay to, to, um, uh, to stop for a second, to think about it, and to reevaluate and to decide whether it is the right path, is it the right target, and uh, what should I do with it? Um, so this is the second uh, advice. And the third, there is no alternative to uh, direct and personal relations with people. I know that uh, for the young generation, you trust uh, mediums like mobiles, uh, all these uh, virtual tools. But honestly, there is no uh, proper alternative to a real meeting where at the end of the meeting, you shake hand or in my region, you hug or you, uh, you smile to each other and you give the people the real uh, feeling that he can trust you and you can trust him or her. And, uh, and you can do good things together because at the end of the day, we are people and there is a meaning for us being people, not robots or, uh, or animals. And we are people. We have a mission here. I think that, uh, um, you know, for this limited time we have together, let's, uh, let's uh, take these three uh, advisors. I invite you and all of your uh, followers to contact me uh, personally. I'll be always happy to uh, give you some additional uh, advices or uh, opinions. And don't be afraid or uh, don't hesitate to uh, elaborate a personal uh, story or question, and you will always get an answer. Absolutely. Um, Mickey, definitely real honor to have you here today, um, especially leaving us with those three specific points of advice that I think are fresh to a lot of us and definitely look forward to carrying them through at least for the next week. Um, thank you again for being someone who can be such a vocal speaker for our viewers. And we thank our viewers for listening to us today. Um, and we look forward to visiting your beautiful country um, as soon as the time permits. Thank you so much. So interesting hearing your background and experiences. And I think it's just incredibly impressive and like respectable how you have kept in touch with your roots and values, though it can be hard at times, especially at your level of accomplishments and experience. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me, Samantha and Levy. 
And I look forward to, to seeing you and your uh, friends uh, again in the near future. And again, please don't hesitate to contact us. Thank you. Shabbat Shalom. Gam lachem. Shabbat Shalom. Yitraot Mi Yisrael.